This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, and this is the old sous chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor, advising everybody to get down and dirty. Uh, (laughs) Hello, Charlie. And good morning, Franklin. Wow, what a beautiful day. Gorgeous. I I imagine everybody's out in the garden right now. I certainly hope they've taken their radios and they can be both gardening and listening to the show at the same time. Well, you you glanced at the phone bank here and said, where the heck are all the calls? And I said, they're all out in the garden. Well, and I think everybody, excuse me, emailed me before the show. So they're going (laughs) to cover off all their questions via email, hopefully, and still be able to get out in the garden. Exactly. So maybe what I better do is this would be an excellent time if you had trouble getting through to the show Mm -hmm. uh, as happens in recent times. Yeah. Give a call now and get lined up to have a chat with Charlie, okay? 416-360-0740 locally. And then it's toll-free anywhere in the province, 1-866-744-740. And Charlie and I are delighted that you'd share part of your weekend with us. Absolutely, but in the meantime... <clears throat> oh, yes. Some oh, oh, and things must... are coming up. Yeah. Oh, well, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay. If you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know when you call in because you'll be welcomed... There, ah. first-time callers. So get your garden wings. Exactly, and keep in mind our little mantra that we like to pass along. Mm-hmm. Call early, call often, one question per call. There you go. There awesome. you go. All right, lots going on in mm-hmm. the gardening world, not just in our actual gardens. Today, the Agent Court Garden Club, between 9 a.m. and 12 noon, is holding their annual garden sale. That's at 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd, which is the Knox United Christian Education Center. Peter Keeping will be there with all kinds of unusual clematis for sale, plus succulents and perennials, and the bakers have baked all kinds of homemade goodies. Mm. The Ways and Means Committee have been busy collecting something for everyone, great examples of repurposing items rather than filling up the landfill sites. Also today, everything's starting at 9, so that's why, you know, People hopefully have taken the radio to all these plant sales with them. (laughs) Today from 9 till 12 noon, the uh, Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society is holding their plant sale at the McConaughey Senior Center, 10100 Young Street in Richmond Hill. The parking lot is off Arnold Crescent. It's a unique plant sale that offers a wide range of herbs, vegetables, and flowers. Members will be on site to help with advice. And Larsh Daybreak will be selling handcrafted plant markers and other items. They're also introducing a rose, a very special, what's it called? It's beautiful. I, actually, I'll put it, I'll look it up here because it's something like sunlight. It's bright, bright yellow rose mm. in honor of the 100th anniversary I of love the, yellow roses. the Richmond Hill yeah. Garden and Hort Society. So you can place an order today at the plant sale to get one of those roses as they become available. Okay. <clears throat> really, really pretty. Uh, Tuesday, May 10th, 7.30 p.m., Scarborough Garden and Hort Society general meeting and free presentation of The Art of Pruning. 
everybody needs to learn yeah, about pruning, yeah. so everybody should be there. Jim Lounsbury of Vineland Nurseries will be there, and he knows an awful lot about pruning. So go and take advantage of his knowledge. And as I mentioned, it is all free. Refreshments are included for free. Whoa, how about that? Scarborough Village Community Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Wednesday, May 11th at 7.30 p.m., the Burlington Hort Society is holding their meeting at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. The speaker is Dr. Rachel Carson. She's a chiropractor, and she's going to speak on plant and rake without the ache. (laughs) Again, we can all benefit from that information. You got that right. I speak from experience. Um, this is going to be a presentation with an interactive demonstration. So I guess you'll be looking for people from the audience. Right. People will yeah. be demonstrating some of the, the great exercises she's going to be showing off. And, of course, that, as I mentioned, is in Burlington, uh, Etobicoke. So I guess a week a week today, next Saturday, the Etobicoke Hort Society will be holding their plant sale. Uh, that is a rain or shine event from 9 a.m. until noon or until sold out. So shop early. It's in the Plast Hukulak Center. What the heck is that? I don't know. It's at 516 <laughs> the Kingsway. Oh, all right. So it's in Etobicoke okay. in Toronto, southeast corner of Kipling and the Kingsway. The plant sale is located in the parking lot. There'll be lots of great plants for sale for sun mm-hmm. and shade, native plants, herbs, ferns, blah, blah, blah. Lots of great stuff. Free advice. Master gardeners are going to be there. Bring your own box or tray to carry your purchases home. And I will hold it there. Okay. Uh, of course, there's always lots more, but that covers off this there, upcoming week. There you go. Okay. Lots to discuss this morning and lots of time to do that, too. Uh, and a reminder of those phone lines open right now at 416-360-0740 and the toll-free line at one 740 4740 We belong to talk to uh, our first caller, Russ, out in Scarborough, after these words. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, you drove all the way from Richmond Hill to get here to the studio as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Going to take another drive right away mm-hmm. out to Scarborough and say hi Excellent. to Russ. Good morning, Russ. Welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, last year, our lilies were uh, decimated by mm-hmm. a, a little red bug. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that until... Almost the end of the season, so they were they were toast. Um, I went to a garden center this year to try and find you know some mm-hmm. insecticide that I could use, mm-hmm. and I was being told that uh, there was one at one point, but it's not being made anymore. Mm. So I'm just wondering what else can I do other than uh, what I have there now is a pair of tweezers, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking for them, and I guess squash them as they come out. Well, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, it's called the lily leaf beetle, and the what the beetle is very very obvious because it's got a red back, right. very very shiny, shows up beautifully mm-hmm. against the green foliage back, and a, a black belly. So when you, it gets to the adult stage of the beetle stage. Um, they tend to cluster in large quantities on our lily plants, and they chew everything, leaves, stems, flowers, all of it. And you go to pick one off, and of course the, the lily moves a tiny bit, and the other 500 all drop to the ground with their backs 
to the ground and their black bellies facing the sky and you can't see them because right. they're flipped over. Uh-huh. So one tip is before you touch any of the lilies that are on the, or the beetles that are on the lilies, get yourself, um, you know, an old sheet or some newspaper or something, put that down around the plant so that when you pick the one, the other 500 drop onto the paper below oh, and you can very quickly squish them as well because you can see them. Um, before they get to the actual adult beetle though, they're, they are a larva. So they're like a little caterpillar, little worm. And they're clever little beasts because what they do is they're, they're small. You would still see them because they're, they're kind of black and noticeable again on the green yeah. foliage. But they cover their bodies in excrement. Uh-huh. So it looks no like kidding. a blob of bird poop. But underneath that poop is a little larva that's chewing away on your lily plant. So that's what you need to look for. Look for blobs because that's the larval form. And then, of course, look for the adults and squish. There really is no insecticide, as they told you, in the garden center. Some people were having some success with neem oil, N-E-E-M oil. Oh, okay. It is not actually registered as a pesticide. So that's, I think, why it's been taken off the market. It's... Um, requires a whole bunch of hoops to be jumped through before it can ever be produced and sold as an insecticide. It was available as a leaf shine product, Mm -hmm. and it also had some some properties that that managed to kill insects on contact. So you can find... Would I see the larvae now? You may. Yes, you may. Okay. That's the problem. Once they're in our soil, that's where they overwinter. They overwinter in the soil. They uh, arise from the soil as soon as the lilies arise, and then they start chewing. So keep your eyes peeled and get squishing. So it's a look at look from every day type of situation, or two or three times a day. Okay, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Alrighty, thanks very much. You're very welcome. Prolific little devils, aren't oh, they? Oh, they're nasty. And you talk about the um, quest to survive. Mm. That you have to poop all over yourself yeah. to make it through. <laughs> it's amazing how it's, how wow. animals and plants yeah, have yeah. evolved to survive. For exactly exactly that, it's unbelievable. Some of the strategies that animals and plants start yeah, doing yeah. exactly well let's say well welland is uh, <laughs> up next as a place to head there's clifford good morning clifford welcome to the garden show on zoomer radio hi how's it going excellent morning all right this should be a simple one for you okay uh i planted a couple of plum trees uh not last summer but the summer before and they were about five foot tall when i put them in and I noticed this spring that uh, the knob where the branches split out from the trunk mm-hmm. is still only about 18 inches off the ground, but the tree height is, oh, about 14 feet tall. They're mm. very spindly. Mm. And I was wondering if I should trim the tops off. Uh, okay, so this is a good point. Remember when we buy trees, all trees, well, yeah, any trees we're going to plant, um, grow from the tips. So we sometimes think that the tree's going to grow from the bottom and it's mm-hmm. going to get taller from the base. Yeah. Coconuts are actually the only plant that does that. Everything else grows from its tips. So, yes, uh, pruning is a very good idea, particularly with fruit trees. Uh, we typically do our pruning in very early spring. Uh, you probably have, do you have leaves on that plant now? Yeah, even flowers came out last week, although they seem to be gone now. Okay, so it <clears throat> it's technically a little late to prune, but I would probably still do it if I were you. Uh, and yes, before fruit trees, there is kind of a specific way to prune them for the proper shape because you're always um, controlling the framework of the plant so that 
ultimately it will grow in the direction you want it to grow. So if you have a minute before you go out with your pruners, uh, do a quick YouTube or a quick Google search on pruning plums and just you will, I know you will find all kinds of information very specific to, to your, your plants. And just take a quick look at what you're striving for when you're pruning and then get out there with some nice sharp tools. Today is a perfect day as long as there's no rain imminent. Uh, you can certainly uh, do, do your pruning today. Okay, well, it's already starting to overcast like it's going to rain. That's so. right. They are talking about rain from, and you're, you know, obviously southwest of us, so maybe you want to hold off on your pruning today and once do whatever you, you need to do today. Mm-hmm. But when it starts raining, go into your computer and look up, uh, you know, plum pruning and see what you can find because I think you, that might be a very good idea. And then dry days. We always do our pruning when it's dry and sunny and preferably a little windy, and then the, the, the cuts will heal better. Okay, but I wouldn't have to put anything on the cut. Nope, nope, nothing. Don't do anything. A healthy plant will heal itself, right? Just like we do. You know, a scab, and then we're all healed up. And that's exactly what a healthy plant will do. No paint, no tar, no nothing. That actually slows down the healing. (laughs) Okay. Clifford, have you called in to the show before? Yeah, usually with some strange questions. <laughs> well, we always welcome strange questions. You know, questions. like fiddleheads and stained glass. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Okay. <laughs> well, Good. thanks so much for touching base with us again. Uh, Charlie, of course, always anxious to help out the gardeners out there. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Yeah, so you see, I just quickly did that. There, yeah. I Googled pruning plum trees, and right. here, we, you know, here's something under the Tree Care Specialist, something under Arbor Day, something from the Royal Horticultural Society in the U.K. So lots there's help. lots of good information there. Excellent. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, just uh, a little heads up to our listeners uh, this morning, that there are lines open right now at 416-360-0740 and anywhere in the province toll-free to reach Charlie Dobbin, 1-866-744-740. But let's first of all just go around the corner here in Toronto and talk to Connie. Good morning, Connie. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Yes, I have a beautiful hostess mm-hmm. and um, the slugs are eating the leaves. Mm. So what can I do for that? Well, there is some, if in your local garden center or uh, any of the stores that are carrying plants at this time of year, not typically the grocery stores, but you know what I'm saying, the Canadian tires, the home hardwares, they will have on the shelf something called slug and snail bait. It's not the stuff we used to use 20, 30 years ago, which was quite toxic to uh, other animals besides slugs and snails. That is completely off the market. What is out there now, the bait that's out there now, is actually an iron-based product. And it is a poison to the slugs and snails, but it does not do any damage to any other animals, uh, cats, dogs, children. (laughs) You know, even if they ate it, it wouldn't hurt them. The... um, when the rain hits the bait, if the slugs and snails haven't eaten it and it dissolves, because you basically just sprinkle it on the surface of the soil around your hostas, and the uh, slugs and snails will eat it up and crawl away and die somewhere else. They don't die on the spot. And if the, sl- the little pellets dissolve in the rain, it's all fine because that it's actually a fertilizer for the plants when it dissolves. So all in all, the slug and snail bait that is on the market now is very effective and uh, does absolutely no damage to anything else. That sounds good. All right. Get some of that. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. And uh, you are listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, Charlie Dobbin. If, you, by the way, you'd like to send an email to Charlie at any time, uh, she always welcomes that, of course. And uh, here's the address, c.dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. But other folks are reaching out to Charlie right now, like Gabby and Markham. Hi, Gabby. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, hi. Good morning. I'm Kathy. Oh, Welcome Kathy. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I have a different name written down here. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm a first-time caller. Woo! Alrighty, just Double a welcome. <laughs> there you go. You I'm get wings. to your show. Great. And uh, I want to start a vegetable garden. What kind of t- uh, soil should I put in in the garden? So uh, is it lawn now that you want to turn into garden? It was a lawn, and I want to turn it into a garden. Okay. So... Um, all right. So you're going to, you, you say it was a lawn. So you've dug the lawn out? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, and what kind of size are we looking for here? What size garden? It's about two, uh, 12, feet, 12 feet by two. 12 feet by two. Okay. So it's along an edge of yeah. your property somewhere. Yes. So, uh, well, what I would do is I, for vegetables particularly, and knowing that you live in Markham, the soil tends to be quite clayey in that neck of the woods. So, (laughs) and and if you are planning on growing any root crops like carrots or beets or any of the, you know, potatoes, things that grow underground, you're going to need some nice, you know, what we call friable soil, soil that actually moves. And uh, I love uh, using composted manure with my vegetables because it will certainly encourage worms and other activity in the soil, and they will help break up that horrible clay for you. <clears throat> Thank you very much. All right, so multi-bags, right? Multi-bags, yes. Multi-bags, 12 by 2, you're going to need, you know, five, six, seven, eight bags of, of composted manure. Composted manure. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Hey, don't Good be a stranger now. <laughs> Come on back and visit anytime. Doors always open here in the Garden <laughs> Show. Evelyn in Scarborough, you're next. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I have some indoor plants that I've had for quite a while, Mm -hmm. and I lost my prayer plant because I didn't notice the white spots on it. Mm -hmm. But it has, the the white spots has graduated to the other plants that were on the same table. White spots. So is this white, like a dusty, powdery kind of a white? It looks like uh, a teardrop has dropped. Uh-huh. And it's more white around the edge. Uh-huh. And does um, if you ran your finger on it, would it would it rub off? Could you rub off that white stuff, or is it, it read the tissue is actually? If I wet my finger, it'll come off. Oh, okay. okay. So, so it sounds like something called powdery mildew. Okay. Uh, powdery mildew is on is a superficial fungus mm-hmm. that grows on the tissue, the, the surface of leaves. It will. It is like somebody went out there with some baby powder and sprinkled it on your plants. A couple of things you can do to help avoid the problem with powdery mildew. One is don't have the plants all squished together. Get some air around them, Uh, preferably even run a fan on them so you get some good air circulation. Are they plants you could take outside or are you... uh uh, yeah, one is the Christmas cactus, and it's an old, old one. It must be about 12, 15 years old, and it started with the white spots, and I'm afraid it'll it'll go the way the prayer plant went. Could you take that Christmas cactus outside? Yes. All right. Uh, so- what I have done, Charlie, mm-hmm. is I have washed it down with uh, warm, soapy water. Okay. 
And uh, that was about three, four days ago. Mm-hmm. And now this morning I noticed the white spots are slowly coming back again. Right. So to try and control the fungus, you can get a hold of liquid sulfur, which is used as a fungicide to, pre- well, to prevent in most cases, but also to control the spread of fungal diseases on plants. Uh-huh. So again, going to your local garden center, picking up, like I said, it'll be in a spritzer bottle, you know, spray bottle, uh, and it'll, have, it'll be labeled that it's a fungicide and that it is a sulfur-based product. There's also something out there called Serenade, which is also a spray, which is a is a fun, you know it's a fungicide as well, so read the instructions thoroughly before you use it, uh, and certainly getting the plants outside if you can. The light will be higher, you know, higher light levels always make it hard for fungal diseases to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, of course, we're not super humid out there right now, so Mm -hmm. that helps drying up the plants. And just like I say, getting that air circulation will also... I've been putting it out during the day for the last three days and bringing it in at night just in case it got a little too cool. Yeah, tonight is going to be a little bit on the cool side. I think we're going to four or five degrees, but otherwise the forecast looks really good. I don't see... I've got every finger finger and toe crossed that there's (laughs) nothing too cold coming but um because that that means you know we can we can be outside and leaving things outside but remember when you take house plants outside at first you take them out into the shade so Uh be careful about going right into the sun with these plants because they will get sunburned okay okay thank you very much i'll give this a try all righty thanks for your call thank you very much gee charlie's like a pretzel this morning fingers and toes (laughs) crossed Unbelievable it's what she goes through. What that Sierra Silk can allow <laughs> me to do. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just around the corner once again here in Toronto. It's Siva online. Good morning, Siva. Good morning. I have a yucca plant growing from the seeds which I had asked Charlie about. Mm-hmm. And what I want to know is when you see them in the garden, they're like clusters. So should I plant them as they're coming or should I separate them? You should separate them. Okay. Plant them as individual plants. And yes. the reason you see clusters is because that's what will happen. Okay. The, the original, Yeah. The original plant, which we'll consider the mother plant, as it matures and flowers and does its thing, will um, set little babies okay. Okay. or daughters will start to grow off the base of the mother. Okay. And okay. one thing to say, the neem oil works for those bugs that the gentleman asked about. I know. I, you, I did a good, it did a good job for me last it, year. The challenge is get is finding neem oil because okay. it's not. I, I usually, if you can find a an Indian store, yeah. they carry it. They carry it exactly. Yeah. All right. Bravo, Gerard. Okay. Thank you very <laughs> much. Thanks for Thank your you, call. Siva. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Now have have yourself a great day. Just a, a quick note about the show coming up. Uh, a lot of people, of course, Charlie, so concerned for our friends in Alberta with that horrible fire. It's just yes. Disasters. Yes. And if you want to give and help out, uh, Dave's Corner Garage is going to tell you how you can do that. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got a big campaign along with the uh, Red Cross coming up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just a heads up. Meantime, back to our show here, St. Catherine's, uh, old stomping grounds for me. Shelly, hello there. Hello, Shelly. Beautiful day. Good morning. Yes, isn't it? Yes. Um, I have an issue with my climbing rose. It's a very old rose, mm-hmm. and it's one of the rare ones that actually has perfume. Mm, that so is I really rare. don't want to lose this, uh-huh. but it, it's on the south side of the house, and so it was starting to come along nicely, mm-hmm. and then we had two frosts. Mm-hmm. And now all that new growth is looking dead. When so, I take the little uh, growth mm-hmm. off, 
it is green underneath. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the rose is still alive. What mm-hmm. I'm wondering is, should I cut it really, like, give a good pruning hard back? Or should I leave it and let it see if it's going to come? Personally, I would give it a pruning. Now, whether you're going to give it a really hard pruning or just a superficial pruning is going to depend on the size of the plant. Um, She's about a good seven feet high. Okay. So, and like you say, the the new growth got frosted, and absolutely, we saw that number of places uh, in the last month. So... Tip pruning, as in taking the tips Mm -hmm. off of any of those canes, will help force out new growth again uh, because there's lots of buds there that are still dormant that will will grow out. And uh, and then, or, you know, if it's seven feet tall and you want to bring it down to five feet tall, that's an option too. So it's up to you whether you take off two feet or two inches. But either way, yes, I would definitely prune. Oh, good. And I wondered if, if I took it down to the five feet, if it would be too hard a pruning for it at one time. No, if you're ever going to do a, a hard pruning on a rose, spring is the time to do it. Right. And it is very rejuvenating to roses to be hard pruned. Uh, that way you do push out a lot of new growth. And remember, when we're doing that pruning in the spring, we're also feeding our roses. So rose fertilizer at the same time. Oh, at the same time. Yep. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. You want to push growth, you got to feed that plant to be able to, you know, produce that growth. Right. I did I wasn't sure whether to give it at the same time as I cut it or to give it a week or something and then yep. and then feed it. All at once. All at once. All right. All right. I'm going to get it today. All, All right. right. Got your work cut out for you. Put on your leather gauntlets <laughs> and go to it. <laughs> as we say goodbye to Shelly, that we're we're going to open up a line you... or two as a matter of fact, 416-360 0740 and anywhere in the province <clears throat> pardon me toll free 1-866-740-4740 and to michelle in mississauga an alliterative good morning and welcome to the show good morning morning um i have a clivia plant mm-hmm. and it has several uh quite large babies coming off of it i guess for yeah. lack of a better word yeah, yeah. but i'm noticing now that uh the tips of each of the plants are starting to uh turn brown Ah. And uh, it's unusual because normally you'll see one leaf turn yellow and yeah. it'll come off. The but, mature leaves. Um, throughout the different plants, there it's the edges of the leaves. So I don't know if it means they need to be separated no. or it's lacking something in the soil. Well, no, don't separate them because Clivia likes to be pot bound right. and it likes to be, you know, lots of family members all nice and close together like that. So don't worry about the separating unless it's, you know, so pot bound that you know roots are growing out the bottom of the pot, or okay. you know the plant is breaking the pot, or whatever. So I'd leave it alone that way. Yes, do fertilize. It is the time of year. We've got new growth. Uh, we've you know big bursts of things like flowers happening in many of our plants. So a, an all-purpose or a flowering plant fertilizer is very appropriate. Okay. The other thing I find. Some plants are very susceptible to uh, when we use tap water because of some of the additives in our tap water. So whether it's the fluoride or it's the chlorine or, or, you know, the various things that are, you know, they use to make sure our tap water is clean and potable, plants don't often like it. Right. Best case scenario, you get yourself a rain barrel or you put some pails out when it's going to rain and you collect rainwater and and use that for watering the clivia. And many people will put them outside for the summer as well. Okay. So... And, um, like, they still don't... You don't water them excessively to begin with, right? Well, well, the way... With clivia, we we basically hardly water them at all in the winter. So it's like every two to three weeks we might water them. But now that, like I say, spring is in the air, plants are showing all this flush of growth, you will up your watering um, 
uh, num- qu- you know, quantity of waterings. Uh, you, so instead of doing it once every two to three weeks now, you should be watering once every 10 days or so. Okay. All okay. Right. So more water now. Okay. All right. Give that a shot. Excellent. Great. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate it very much. And you are listening to The Garden Show. Tomorrow, of course, Mother's Day. Yes. And uh, so what have Sydney and Keenan got planned for you? <sighs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I don't even think Keenan knows that it is Mother's Day. <laughs> and Sydney hopped a plane and went to Istanbul. So, you know, I guess that's my Mother's Day is that they're going to leave me alone. <laughs> but um, but we are hosting a Mother's Day barbecue at my house tonight are for my really? mother. Yep. Well, Dolly. So Dolly's, uh, hurt. Dolly's yeah. coming. We're having a big lobster barbecue, and uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay, we have to take a little bit of a break here, and we'll be back to talk to Catherine Carroll and Rick. All coming up on The Garden Show here from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Waterloo, Waterloo. Oh, that's Stonewall Jackson's old hit there. Reminded me that, gosh, Catherine is online from Waterloo. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Morning. Yeah. I thought I heard you once say, I have a for real uh, fireplace, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I've, uh, I got, uh, you know, I got ashes, uh, ashes yeah. a, a, a yeah. can full of ashes, uh-huh. and I can put that around my trees and shrubs. You can, um, but just remember, we don't do anything in vast quantities. So, oh. for example, I'll yeah. use ashes. Do you have a composter at all? No, no, okay. No, but I called the city, and mm-hmm. they can take it uh, in our green bins, mm-hmm. also. Yeah. So, w- assuming that what you've burned in your fireplace is just regular wood, you haven't burned any um, pressure-treated wood or or anything that was, you know, of a you know suspect nature, and that those ashes are just from, you know, maple and birch and whatever you've burned. Yeah. Ashes are potash. Potash or potassium is one of the required macronutrients that all plants need. So to sprinkle some ashes around your plants is to give them some potash or and or potassium. But keep in mind that that's just one of the macronutrients that they need. So plants need more than just potash. All of our plants at this time of year should be receiving a balanced fertilizer. But to sprinkle some of your ashes around your trees, your shrubs, your roses, your vegetable garden, any of that is fine. But like I say, nothing in excess and none, not in too large of a quantity anywhere. Okay. Because you can really mess up the, the pH of your soil if you do too much of any one thing. Oh, yeah. Okay? All right. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. And uh, here we are on the Garden Show just for you to keep you active and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Hamilton comes into play here. Carol, good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning. How are you both? Great. Wonderful. How are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm very good. And it's real. I really enjoy your show every Saturday. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Charlie, what I wanted to ask you is that I always had, I always lived in the house before. And so I was gardening in ground, if Mm -hmm. you will. Now I'm in an apartment, and I've been trying to grow window boxes, and I'm not having very much luck with them. Mm. Now, I overwinter some geraniums every year, mm-hmm. and I put them out, and I sit them in one of the boxes. They thrive. They do just mm-hmm. fine. Um, anything else, like I've tried million bells, and, you know, one, some, one year they'll do, well, you know, not too bad, look pretty good. And in other years, they just look like, 
well, they look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah. tell me first, what direction does your apartment face? Okay, I'm facing west. Mm -hmm. um, it gets very, very hot out there mm -hmm. in the afternoons. Mm -hmm. um, now, I do get it from, like, say, 1 o'clock right through till the sun sets. Right. So hot, uh, but hot But I do afternoon. get a lot of wind, Charlie. Like of course. Sometimes I can yeah. get, like, a wind, and, like, I look out at my hanging basket, and I can see <laughs> it blowing out there. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to plant. I'm thinking, God, there's got to be something besides geranium. Well, any of the drought tolerance, and particularly if it's annuals you're looking for, herb some many of the herbs would be very happy in that situation. You know, think of parsley and dill, and you know, if if you could use things like plants like that, um, drought tolerant. I'm thinking zinnias, cosmos, uh, plants that have smaller leaves, have less surface area to lose moisture, um, smaller flowers. Now, you mentioned million bells. Million bells is a lovely trailing plant that yeah. loves the heat and does very well if it's a nice sunny spot. Here's what I would suggest. Number one, make sure that the, so the potting soil that's in your window boxes is fresh and of a good quality. I replace it every year. Excellent. When, and when you're replacing it, there are some, some potting soils out there that have what they call moisture control. And mm -hmm. that means they'll have extra core added to it, which is the coconut fiber, or they might even have some crystal gel in that soil. But bottom line is it is a soil that will hold moisture longer than just a regular potting yeah, soil. I've tried that too. Okay. And, you know, and I even have some special window boxes that mm -hmm. have like a reservoir mm -hmm. in the bottom. So, like, I mean, the yeah, plants so, aren't sitting in water, right, perfect. but they can access it if they need it. Yeah, like a self-watering thing. So that's all good. So it doesn't sound like they're struggling for lack of moisture. You know, you've thought that one through. What about fertilizer? Do you, do you use fertilizer consistently? Well, it depends, uh, Charlie, on what kind of soil I use. Like if I've used a, a, a soil that's got like a lot of fertilizer in it, like miracle Grow or something like that, I'm thinking, well, you know, be careful here. Don't over-fertilize. Well, that, you bring up a good point. Most of the potting soils that are out there now have what's called a nutrient charge. And if you look, you will see the three numbers with the little hyphens in between. Right. But the nutrient charge is like a 0 .01, you know, 0 .03, 0 .16. Oh. Like we're talking tiny, tiny quantities of, of fertilizer. So do not be concerned about over-fertilizing. When you first plant out into that fresh soil, you're right. Just plant and water. Then uh, two weeks later, get out your water-soluble fertilizer, whatever kind you like to use, and start using that very consistently. You'll, I think you'll find you'll have better success. So you think water-soluble fertilizer is better than like granular? Like I've had the miracle Grow, you know, the granular type. The slow and release? I sprinkled that across and, and worked it into the soil a bit. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you're right. There is stuff called shake and feed, which is right, a slow-release right. fertilizer, and you're right. No, that if you use that, then you do not use the water-soluble as well. Right. And personally, I love the slow-release because you just use it once. And mm. you should be good for the next four months. Uh, mm. But make sure you like read the instructions. There's, Depending on the size of your container, they right. tell you how much fertilizer, the granular fertilizer to put in. And you're right. You mix it all around and then you drop, you know, plant your plants, water thoroughly. Um, yeah. And I'm surprised. So you've had issues with million bells. But yeah, so am I because I really like them. Yeah. No, they're lovely <laughs> they're when so they, pretty, they love yeah. the heat. So maybe it's just a question of saying, OK, some things are going to you know, handle the wind because you're right. It's probably the wind that's your most challenging factor there. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm just trying to flash on anything else that's going to be sort of tolerant of the windy conditions. But I, I love zinnias and they do very very well in hot spots. Nasturtiums, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Now, the zinnias, do they grow very high? Because, like, I'm on, a, I'm on a balcony. Mm -hmm. like, you know. Oh, yeah, no, there's, there are um, zinnias nowadays that only grow about eight inches tall. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Uh, there's a whole series called the Profusion series that right. are lovely. Okay. They don't get any Profusion. mildew. Okay. There's all they come in all different colors. So if you can find some of those, I I definitely plant some of those. Okay. Now, Charlie, before I let you go, I, I wanted to just have one quick word with Frank, if I may. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. standing by. I just wanted to tell you how much we all miss the show that you used to have, where people used to call in and request songs. Oh, right. Yes. And okay, you'll the probably diner. remember the one by Frankie Lane. We're making memories. Oh, yes, indeed. You know, I never yeah. hear it on the radio anymore. Well, son of a gun, you know, I, I'm going to make sure you hear it this afternoon. How about that? Well, because I've been listening every day. Okay. And I called in once before and spoke <laughs> to a gentleman there, and he said, well, I'll pass it on, but that didn't work, Frank. Well, <laughs> thank you for making that extra effort, and you will hear it this afternoon. Yeah, they Between should be playing it more often. 2 after. and 2.30. How about that? Okay, that's great, Frank. Stay okay. tuned. Okay, thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Thanks thank for calling, much, Carol. Carol. Appreciate that. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we've got an old friend online we this morning, do. Charlie, yeah. all the way from White River. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's this old French stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's four degrees out there. Oh, well. And I bought a big fuchsia and stuck it outside last night. Oh, and what happened? Well, I, so I'm hoping it made it. I don't think it got frost, but... Okay, good. I got a bunch of tulips coming up. Like, nice. Come from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Can you fertilize them with something? Yeah, you should. Bulb food. What kind? Well, it depends what you've got access to, but there is bulb food. Oh, it's yeah. a granular fertilizer that is... We And you're absolutely right that when our... Bulbs have finished blooming, whether it's daffodils or tulips or hyacinths, any of those spring flowering bulbs should be fertilized just after they finish flowering because we want them to keep growing green leaves to fatten up for next year's blooms. Yeah, but they're coming up now. I'm wondering if I can give them something now, like maybe 2020 or something. Here. You shouldn't have to give them anything now because everything they need is inside the bulb. So they should be fine. But, you know, you can if you want to. They're not going to die if you fertilize them. But certainly, definitely they should be fertilized post-bloom. Mm. Okay. And uh, so your ground is obviously thawed if your tulips are coming up. Yes, yes. Good. Return from London, that was a treat. And snow is melted? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it might get up to 14 today. Oh, yeah. T-shirt weather. Nice. Uh, yeah. Good well, stuff. Thank you. I was going to ask you another question, but... You know the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patrolman Proctor would be pulling you over the side of the road, Rick. Well, after that last call, you know, I sound like you got a couple in there, so... <laughs> Oh, that's true. Thank you, guys. Thanks for okay, calling, thanks, Rick. Rick. Take care. All the best. Uh, love having those regular callers. Mm -hmm. Keep in touch. That's right. Well, here's Alma from Kitchener. Good morning, Alma. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy your show very much every Saturday. Thank you. I just want to ask you, I read somewhere, it is regarding banana plant. Mm -hmm. Banana plant is made from tissue culture. What does it mean? <laughs> Great question. Okay, so... <clears throat> The word propagation means um, making more of any plant. So when we plant seeds, we're propagating a plant from seeds. Mm -hmm. Bananas don't have seeds. Mm -hmm. So there is no way to grow a banana from a banana seed because the seeds don't exist. Mm -hmm. So the way that bananas are propagated was it used to be that the mother plant, and we were talking earlier about yuccas, for example, where the mother plant is growing and then a baby will 
will start to grow at the base. Mm -hmm. So back many, many years ago, the mother plant would be growing, a flower would form, the bananas would form, the bananas would be harvested, the banana, the mother banana would die, but little daughters would start to grow at the base and they would be severed from the mother and then separated out and then they would grow up. Well, that's a bit of a slow process, and of course, the, the world loves bananas. So what's happened now is to speed up the propagation of bananas, they are propagated via tissue culture, and tissue culture is in a laboratory where one cell, because that's what's so neat about plants, any one cell, Frank, you wouldn't even know this probably, <clears throat> any, any one cell in any plant can be made to grow into another plant. One single cell can become – it can be taught to become roots and, of course, then, you know, cell division becomes roots, yeah, yeah. stems, flowers, all that. So it's quite interesting, unlike us, right? If you took a skin cell from us, it will grow more skin. You're not going to yeah, grow yeah. a heart out of skin cells. Uh-huh. But with plants, you can grow any plant part from one cell. So tissue culture is basically in a laboratory, tiny, tiny little pieces of banana, so right down to single cells. New plants are grown in test tubes. This is no genetic modification. It's just a way of propagating the bananas. And they grow little tiny plants in test tubes. They get bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, they go outside and they become a banana plantation. And do you get bananas? Yep, yep. They grow eventually big enough to grow, you know, Mm-hmm. flower and grow bananas. Oh, thank you so much. You're I welcome. love your show. Thank you. So, yeah, so tissue culture is just another form of propagation is the bottom line. Excellent. Thank you very much for giving us a call here. And looks like we're just about at a racetrack I here. know. Oh, I gosh. wonder if Pat could ask her question really okay. fast. All right. Let's go to uh, Coburg there. Pat, what do you have for us? Yes, hello. It's a fast question. Okay. I um, am going away from May 12th to May 31st. Mm-hmm. So I have these perennials. Uh, mainly I'm thinking of uh, my roses and a few plants yep. like that. Yep. Um, plus, I've been laid up for eight, ten weeks with a broken ankle, so I haven't been able to get out there and do anything. Right. Hopefully before I leave, my thought was to get composted manure and put on everything, give it a good watering before I left, and hope for the best. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we should get rain. We typically do in the spring. And you're right. This is the time of year to be top dressing with good organic materials and or fertilizing with whatever fertilizers we have. Um, the pruning and stuff that needs to be done, you may need to hire somebody to do that for you if you can't get down and do it. But otherwise, if you don't get to it, the plants will grow nevertheless. Okay. I can prune my climbing roses yeah. because they, you know, started to grow and yeah. frosted and whatever. Yeah. But uh, can I uncover them now? Uh, I would. Yep, for sure. Just okay. get use the just get a uh, use the hose perhaps so you don't have to get down on your hands and knees. Just thank a you, strong spray. Thank you. Yeah, we're just fresh. Out of I see here. that, my darling. Gosh. I see that. Yeah. Thank you, Franklin. Thank you very much, and stay tuned for Dave's Corner Garage. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's, well, we're all concerned about what's happening in Alberta, yep. uh, they're going to have got a special a, show. And a, a special, special guest, a guy who has a, a great deal of the insurance of, of some of those, uh, of that, many of those homes. Uh, yeah, I understand he's the sole insurance provider, oh my God. Well, broker well, it's gonna be in Fort Mac. So, yeah, yes. so, yes, our hearts go out to everybody in Alberta right now. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers tomorrow. Exactly. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks to our great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.